0: So in one of my recent articles, I wrote about the differences between a multi-class deal structure and a dual tranche uh, private equity structure. So those are kind of some words that I just made up, so they may not make sense or you may not know what I'm talking about. So I'll explain uh, what I mean and then we'll talk about the differences. So first, let's start with the dual tranche structure, which actually gained uh, very strong popularity a couple years ago. Uh, as, as deals started to get a bit tighter, and it was a way for sponsors to juice returns a bit, uh, while really giving everyone a piece of what they want. Uh, so in the dual tranche structure, you have Class A members and Class B members, and the Class A members are essentially preferred equity, where they sit in a priority position, and they get a fixed rate of return. These days, you're seeing deals do about around 9% preferred return, and Uh, It it support that preferred return position subordinates the class B members, which are essentially common equity so if you're a Cash flow investor and you're not really seeking for the upside That's a great spot for you to be in because you're getting consistent 9% yield and you also have better downside protection Now the class B members again are subordinate to that class a tranche Uh, but they get all the upside. So their returns, or at least their projected returns, are magnified because they're essentially taking on additional leverage, they're taking on additional risk. And that risk, or that leverage rather, isn't that expensive, especially 9%. 9% is is pretty reasonable, and obviously those investors don't have default remedies, so sitting behind them isn't necessarily risky from a default standpoint, uh, which is good. But what it does is nine times out of 10 with deals these days, uh, it's going to result in having negative leverage on a cash flow basis. Because if you have to pay out that 9% preferred return and the deal flow, I'm sorry, the deal on a project basis only is kicking out five, six, seven you're negatively levered on a cash flow basis. And you're going to see the class B investors cash flow drop even further, exacerbated by the 9% class A members. So what you end up seeing is the class B investors take on a bit more risk, right? They're more levered up in the capital stack. Their cash flow goes down, but their projected IRR goes up. So if you're seeking total returns, that class B spot looks pretty good to you uh, if if you're comfortable with that additional risk. And if you're really looking at cash flow and protection, uh, the class A is for you. Uh, So as I said, it's become a very popular deal structure, uh, pretty common these days. It's something we've never done, uh, but it definitely makes sense as I just explained it. Now, comparing it to what is multi-class, what is a multi-class deal structure? So this is also something that has gained a lot in popularity, and it's actually something that we have implemented as well, uh, I think about a year ago now, which is, and it's a total no-brainer, right? Why wouldn't you separate out the different classes for investors, ones that are investing, you know, 50000 100000 or, or 500,000 or a million, right? So you, you're able to uh, you know, kind of almost give a bulk discount or what we call it is a major investor status to those investing 500,000 or more. And this is a simple way for us to be able to just give a slightly better uh, terms to larger investors, right? And in this structure, the classes are again, class A and class B. Uh, Our Class A investors have a $100,000 minimum, our Class B investors have a $500,000 minimum, and the structures are uh, slightly different, as I mentioned. The Class A members have an 8% preferred return, Class B members have a 9% preferred return. Both have a 30% promote, but the Class A, the $100,000 minimum, has a 30% promote up to a 15% IRR. Thereafter, it's a 50-50 split whereas in the class B or the 500k minimum investment and above it's the 9% preferred return and then the 30% promote above that with no secondary hurdle. So the you know that's definitely an improved structure which typically results in about a 1% better projected IRR and above and beyond just the slightly better projected returns you also have better downside protection by way of the higher preferred return. So that, those are the, those are the differences. And the, the real nuance that I want to hit on in this video is the fact that there is no subordination. There's no senior subordinate relationship between the class A and the class B members in the structure. I just explained that multi-class structure, just because the investors is you know, coming in as class B with the 500 K plus check doesn't mean that they get any priority in distribution over the hundred thousand dollar minimum or the class A members. So, the class A and the class B members in this structure are pari passu, and what that literally means is standing shoulder to shoulder. But in private equity structures, pari passu means treated equally or, or getting paid at the same time. So, even though they have different preferred returns, one is eight, one is nine, their buckets get filled up on a prorated basis, right? So those preferred returns are getting paid out, paid out, paid out at the same time. That's not that oh the uh, class B's get their 9% first, then, then the 8's get their second, right? It gets paid at the same time. The only difference is how much of the deal's profit are they sharing with the sponsor, right? With the uh, Class B members, they're getting to take home more of the deal for themselves, whereas the Class A members are paying a larger piece of the deal or a higher promote uh, to the sponsor. So that's really the difference. There's no, again, no senior subordinate relationship. Whereas going back to the dual tranche structure, you have a senior subordinate uh, relationship between the class A members and the class B members, which essentially is uh, playing the role of preferred equity, class A members earning 9%, and common equity, which they're levered up the highest in the stack. They're the first uh, at-loss position in the deal, and uh, that's why they're getting the higher projected returns. and And that's why the class a members are foregoing upside for the better position in the capital structure right getting paid first and uh and getting that consistent cash flow of nine percent which is very difficult to achieve on common equity so that's a bit of you know financial engineering or deal structuring to be able to get those who want it that enhanced cash flow uh, in exchange for the upside some things to look into as it just jumps to mind for me on on this structure or preferred equity in general is if you are investing into preferred equity, you want to know whether or not you are getting uh, allocated tax benefits. Are you getting treated as debt, which essentially means you're getting distributed interest, which means you're going to not have, uh, that's not going to be tax advantaged. Or are you going to have tax advantages flow your way in the preferred equity position and you'll be able to help offset uh, your your income through depreciation, for example. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The other thing that comes to mind is the senior subordinate relationship as it relates to not only cash flow but also uh, capital account or you know where you sit in the structure. So I'm actually not familiar with how it is most uh, on most of these deals, but obviously true preferred equity is senior uh, is senior to the common equity, not just as far as distributions go, but also on a sale. So for example, in a downside scenario, if there's a sale at a loss, the common equity would be the first position to incur that loss. And actually the entire common equity position would have to be wiped out completely in order for the preferred equity to then start to lose principal, right? That's what makes preferred equity safer and more attractive than common equity is when you're, if you're looking at the capital structure, right, as value goes down, the common equity gets eaten up and then the preferred equity is next at risk. So, but I could imagine some of these deals that are structured in this dual tranche way because the preferred equity isn't third-party preferred equity, it's friendly preferred equity. It could be structured in a way that while the distributions are a priority to them, maybe upon a sale, they don't have a priority as far as getting their capital back. So maybe their principal is at loss at the same level or pari as, uh as the common equity. So I would just look into that if that's something that you're interested in investing in further. Thanks for watching.